thank you so much, um, young adults, for being able to uh, share with us a little bit about that. Each week, we want to target a little different audience uh, through that. We're going to end next week with uh, some grandparents' advice. But uh, anyway, just wanted to thank everybody for being a part of that because what we're talking about today is how do we parent through the years? And how do we do that differently from when our children are very young to when they get older and they still need us even when they are out of the house? It's very, very important. Now, a question I want to ask as we get started this morning is, have you ever been going along and you say something out loud and you think, oh my goodness, that sounds just like something my mom would say? Or you're thinking along and you say something and you're like, whoa, that is exactly what my dad would have said. We often have that happen because we parent often like the way we were parented. A lot of times we resolve conflict the way that we saw conflict resolved in our own house. We model a lot of stuff that we saw growing up. We sometimes have an honesty quotient, like our parents' honesty quotient, or we're as patient, perhaps, or not as patient as our parents or grandparents were. What they model for us, our parents and grandparents, is really, really important because we pick that up. Whether we realize it or not, there's a lot of things that we do that is very similar to what our parents are. So as parents, we have to remember that. As grandparents, we have to remember that. We have to model that kind of life, the lifestyle authenticity that we eventually do want our, parent, our children and grandchildren to emulate. As we talked about last week, if you were with us, you can teach your children what you know, but you'll often reproduce in them what you are. That's a quote from John Maxwell. You can teach your children what you know, but you'll often reproduce in them what you are. And children are a very gift from God. And children grow up so very, very fast. Can I get an amen to that? We have this very, very short window to be able to influence them, both our children and our grandchildren as they grow up. And it feels like as soon as you get this one stage kind of working pretty well, you kind of figured it out, they're on to the next one. And you kind of get that stage kind of figured out, and then they're on to the next one. Our children and grandchildren are always growing through these various stages. And Dr. Henry Cloud, he talks about it this way. He said, when children are born, you as a parent have a one-down relationship to them, and they require lots of direction." That's our job when they're very young. We have to direct them and, and help them with every single thing. As they get more decision-making um, abilities and they grow up a little bit, the relationship becomes an eye-to-eye relationship. And that happens even physically, doesn't it? As they grow up. My son right now, he looks at me eye-to-eye. That's how tall he is. And that happens even as they grow out and get, to the, get out of the house. And so as they grow... They need probably a little less direction. We become more of a coach for them as they go through the adolescent years. Then they grow up and they get out of the house and we have to learn how to build this adult relationship with them. That's what we're going to talk about next week. How do you relate to your children in adulthood? And then I'm told at the other end of the spectrum, as you get older, the children then tell you what to do. It's like this cycle that goes back and forth. Maybe some of you are at that cycle or you're having that now or you're kind of directing your parents after that. 
But children are always on the move, and they change through the years, and that's part of parenting and grandparenting is understanding those stages as they go. So we're in a series of messages this month called Building Strong Families. And what we want to do is sort of infuse some, some hope and some energy and some strength into our families because it's been a really long year. And there's been so much strain on the families with COVID and working from home and all of these kind of things. So how can we encourage families? How can we strengthen families with some knowledge and some infusion of God's energy in the midst of this time? And we're talking really about this. How can you and I be a part of raising a spiritual generation, a a generation of spiritual champions, kids who love Jesus with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength? and who learn to bring the healing of Christ to our nation and to our world because we are in desperate need of God's touch in our world and that next generation is gonna be so incredibly important. Now all of us really have the responsibility to carry on this message of Jesus and share it with the next generation. But what I wanna focus on this morning is particularly those middle school and high school years, okay, really important years, I want, us to, I want to address just three common mistakes we can make as parents in that time and really talk about how to overcome them as Christ has called us to do. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, there's been a lot of strain on our families in the last year. Some really good things and some really big challenges too. And Lord, we just want to lift our families to you this morning. Whatever age our kids or our grandkids or our nieces or nephews might be, Lord, sometimes there is great joy in families and sometimes there is great great strain too. And so Lord, we just want to lift them to you this morning and ask us to learn from your word as we look into it today to build strength into our families. Lord Jesus, it depends on you and on your love. So Lord, help us in this time. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So we have great joys and great struggles as kids and as parents as we grow up and as we go through those different seasons and those stages of parenting and of growing. There can be some challenges along the way. And so if you are a teenager with us today, I want you to especially listen to this message. If you have teenagers, if you have kids in the home, this is going to be really important. But those of you who are grandparents, this is really important for you to understand and know you've lived through some of these stages yourself. And how can you sort of be a gentle coach or encouragement when you see this perhaps in your grandchildren's life as well? And if you haven't had kids yet, these are some principles to be able to think about along the way. So a few common mistakes sometimes we make is this. The first one you'll see up on the screen, sometimes we forget our role as a parent. We forget our role as a parent. Now it's really interesting when you wear a a whistle around this morning, all kinds of people have been asking, what in the world is a whistle for? And it's just an illustration this morning that sometimes you might feel like a referee. You're always in the midst of sort of trying to 
break up a fight between siblings, the people are squabbling, you come in, you got your referee wrestling, what is going on, what's happening here, who's at fault, you're always trying to figure that out. And sometimes that can be really draining because you feel like you're a referee all the time, you got this whistle in your mouth. I was talking to one uh, mom, she has a four-year-old and a two-year-old boy. And she said, I feel like that's all I do all day long is I referee the fights. I don't even know if I'm getting anywhere or I'm doing anything right. And we can go through stages sometimes in the adolescent years too. It just feels like we're fighting all the time. And we, we, we get into this referee mode and, and it's not very easy. And on the other side of the pendulum, sometimes we can get too stuck on trying to be, um, you know, always a, a best friend to our child. And that's good, and we want to develop that relationship. But sometimes we get tired, and so we don't um, maybe discipline them the way that, that it needs to happen. Or we get so concerned that they like us that that sometimes can be difficult. So we have to remember our role as a parent in the middle of that. There was a, a father of a young man who was quoted in Revolutionary Parenting saying this. He said, if I was determined to win over my boy as my best friend in his teenage years, I would have caved in ways that were inappropriate for someone responsible for his growth as a man of God. We had many a tense moment over the years, but I don't think there was ever any doubt in his mind that I loved him or about the motivation behind the hard choices and discipline I enforced in his life. And it's very interesting here because in the midst of some of those tense times and some of those tense years, Paul writes in Colossians 3, 20, and 21 these very important words. You're going to see this on the screen. It's from the New Living Translation. It says this, Children must always obey your parents, obey their parents, for this is what pleases the Lord. That's what we're stuck with as kids. we got to obey our parents. But it says this right after that. It says, Fathers, and we could probably add mothers in there, don't aggravate your children. If you do, they will become discouraged and quit trying. It's very interesting there that in the midst of this parent-child relationship, there's something that the children need to do, but there's something that the parents need to do too. How do we have that good balance in the middle of that? Being a model for our children to follow is always important, and when they are little, they need lots of instruction. But as they grow, you become a coach for them. You become that person that both supports and encourages them as well as challenging them. Now, if we think about this in the terms of coaching, I want you to just go with me in that metaphor for just a moment. If we think about that in terms of coaching, we know that our kids need a good coach, don't they? The kids get coached in sports events. They get coached for music. They get coached for um, all the different things that they're in, art or whatever it is that they like to do. And, and when you have a good coach, that coach specializes and helps that child to grow in whatever it is that they're being coached at. How much more important is it for us to think about that as parents and grandparents to be a really good coach for our kids in that spiritual department, in that moral development department, in helping them to become a great man or woman of God? It's really important that as they grow, as we get to be that one-to-one, eye-to-eye relationship, that we learn to be a really great coach to provide both encouragement and challenge in their spiritual development, in their moral development, in their character development as men and women as they grow. Coaches 
If you think about it, they are able to influence the child because they build a relationship with that child. It's different than a referee. A referee in a game has no connection to anybody. But a coach knows those kids in that game and is built on a relationship with them. And so as we think about that, your, your relationship begins with your kids and grandkids when they're very, very young and you invest in that relationship and you invest and you invest and you invest because your kids are gonna respond out of the relationship that you have with them. And it's built on their respect and on them trusting you. That's what kids do with a good coach. And if we use that metaphor, that's what they're doing as they keep learning from you. And even as they get into young adulthood when they keep calling back for the stuff that they need, right? What else do coaches do? Coaches help them, that child, to develop, hopefully right in that moment. If you're trying to get your shots and your shots aren't quite um, going down in basketball, the best thing the coach can do is to help you in that moment or right after the game to be able to give some good feedback there. And so too, as parents, we give that feedback over and over again and address their needs as they happen. Great coaches have good communication. They don't just spew uh, directions or critiques, but they involve teenagers in that coaching dialogue about where are you heading? What is your goal? What is your plan? And so too, as parents, we have to develop that relationship through those adolescent years so we can help them with their plan for the future. And great coaches have a game plan. They know where it is that they're heading. And as parents, it's really important, every parent knows that raising child requires flexibility. Can I get an amen to that? We have to be flexible, but also help to know what that game plan is. What is the goal? Through all the tumultuous adolescent years, the goal is to help that child or grandchild become to the best of our ability, people of character, people who know God, and who become a man or woman after God's own heart. That's our focus. That's what we have to keep going on. And all the surprises and all the challenges along the way can't distract us as a parent from that goal. And so how is it that we can not be just a referee but how is it that we can be a great coach for our kids and grandkids during that time to provide support and challenge and encouragement and to be able to help them to become all that God has called them to be, both that encouragement and that challenge along the way. A second thing, and this kind of relates to the first point as well, but sometimes we get off the path because we fail to identify and enforce rules and discipline. Sometimes we do that too much, sometimes we don't do it enough. How do we provide a good balance in the middle of that? Because children and grandchildren, they need stability and they need structure. And it's really interesting because in Ephesians chapter six, now the first verse I gave to you, the first verses were from Colossians. That was a letter that Paul wrote. He writes this next letter to the Ephesian church and he says almost the same thing, you'll see it up there. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And he refers to the Ten Commandments. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you and that your children may enjoy long life on the earth. Then verse four, he says almost the same thing. He said, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. 
That's our job. As parents, as grandparents, is to help bring our children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's part of our responsibility. It's part of our blessing that we get a chance to do, but it is part of our job as parents, as Christian parents. Now, also the word training here means loving discipline. That's what it means. It's part of that training, loving discipline. God disciplines his children, and he disciplines you and I to help improve us, to work on our character, to do that always out of love. And parents, we are called to discipline our children out of love. And those little ears and those little eyes, they're going to be watching all throughout that time. And children can tell, they know exactly when they feel like you as a parent are being unfair. And they will tell you that over and over again. And the other thing children are really good at doing is separating, if there's a mom and a dad in the house, of separating the two of you. You don't have to raise your hand about this, but I did this when I was young. I knew my mom was a disciplinarian and she was going to be tough. And I knew that if you sometimes ask dad, you might get a little further in whatever it is that you wanted to do. So there were five of us kids in the home. From time to time, we'd have a little meeting and we would make sure that we went and asked dad whatever it is that we wanted. And sometimes we'd get that because he'd say, oh sure, and then we'd get in trouble with mom later. But we knew we were in big trouble if he said, well, I need to talk to your mom about it. Or if he said, go talk to your mom, then we knew we were never going to get whatever it is that we wanted. So kids, they can tell that and they know that. And the best thing we can do is to be on the same page as parents because our children will push us and they will push back. But ultimately that correction and discipline is really important for us to follow through and to be consistent about. Um, there was a, a great little uh, story in our revolutionary parenting book. One adult, a young adult said laughing, when I was growing up, I never would have said this. But now when I look at the lives of my childhood friends, the ones I envied because they had so much freedom when they were growing up, their lives, they're kind of messy. I'm not perfect, but I think I have a better foundation for life. And now I have all the appreciation in the world for the tough standards my parents took to keep me in check. Kids can't handle too much freedom. They're kids. I think that's so important to think about if you're in the midst of those teenage years, whether you're a teenager or you're a parent. And it feels really hard. And it feels like you don't have as much freedom as you'd like, but your parents are trying to do the best they can to help give you that structure as you grow. And parents to continue to be diligent and consistent. Children have basic needs, security, safety, significance, affirmation, and acceptance. And we have to model those principles. We have to model that behavior so that they can be able to see that as well. And as they move into their teenage years, we have to be consistent with curfews. Say a curfew and mean it. And know that there are going to be consequences if you don't, pay by, if you don't play by the rules. Know your teenager's friends. You can have a great influence in their life as well. Teenagers are moving into that important stage in their lives, learning about who they are and how to exert their independence. And if you remember, even Jesus went through this stage. Back in Luke chapter two, at the very end of that chapter, there's a section there where Jesus goes with his family, his larger family, the extended family, they go up to the temple in Jerusalem. And they're there and they're on their way home and they went as a great big caravan. They're about a day's journey outside of Jerusalem. 
And they go for the night and they have one of those home alone moments. Remember that movie? They go and they say, well, is Jesus with you? No, they're not with us. Well, is he with you? No, he's not with us either. Well, is he with you? And pretty much they find out that in amongst the entire big extended family, he's not there. And so they go rushing back to Jerusalem and they search for three days. You know how anxious and, and, and perhaps irritated they might have been that they can't find Jesus? And where is he? He's in the temple. And they said, Jesus, where have you been? We've been searching all around for you. And I'm paraphrasing now, but essentially I think he says back, don't you know, mom and dad? But I have to be about my father's business. This is part of what I'm called to do. I have to fulfill my calling. I have to forge my future. And it was in that moment, perhaps, that they recognized Mary and Joseph and Jesus that he was moving in this new stage. Now, Jesus was always obedient to his parents. It was just a moment in time where they began to see that he was growing into a new stage. So in all those stages of life, we have to continue to be consistent as we go along. And just one third one I wanna to mention today, there's several that can get us off track, but one other one I think that's really important is that sometimes we allow unfiltered media to permeate the house. And this is really, really important to establish some media limits. And this is really hard, especially in this COVID season because technology is the only way we can meet with our friends and sometimes we have school online and how do we separate all of that? But how do we put some limits on the other stuff? And to know what is it that our teenagers are putting into their mind or their heart? What do they do with that time? And it's really important to be able to know that. And one young adult said, when we were growing up, I envied my friends because their parents allowed them to make their own choices about television, movies, and music. Just like the, the kid at the end of the video, I had to call home and ask my mom about an R-rated movie. This young adult said, it seemed so unfair. And when I was able to watch or to listen to stuff, my parents frequently commented on the moral nature of the message in these programs or songs. Man, I couldn't stand that. But the proof was in the results. Self-regulation failed with my friends. Parental regulation worked wonders for me. And now I feel bad about all the grief I gave my parents about sticking their nose in my business. But what a difference it made. And I'm so grateful. Remember that we're setting our kids up so that when they leave the house, they're gonna make those good decisions. And they might not be all the decisions that we expect or want, but we wanna help them to be able to make those decisions and to do it well. And to continue to coach them and to continue through all of that season of life to build that relationship so that you have that good, strong relationship going into adulthood where they're gonna be able to ask you for advice and they're gonna be able to talk with you and they wanna know that because they respect you and because they've learned that all along the way. We have to help our children make good decisions. We have to protect them from, from all of the, the things that can lead to burnout in their life. Sometimes there's competing opportunities and we have to help them to make the best choices so they don't get tired and worn out. We have to get in the game early. Our world starts to impact those kids when they're very, very young. And we have to focus on character because nothing will serve our children better than instilling godly character. As I said at the end of most of these messages, that our child-rearing efforts won't be seen for many, many years. 
We have to put the work in day in and day out and week in and week out. And sometimes our children, as much as we've invested them, they may not always choose to take that spiritual baton and run with it like we talked about last week. And we can do all that we can to invest in them and instill in them, and it's their choice of whether they're gonna take that baton into those young adults and adult years. And some of them, they may choose to not do that. And some of them may choose to, they they know God and love God, but maybe they choose not to be active in a church. And that is a choice that our children and our grandchildren have. But it's our job to do everything that we can to instill in them and to invest in them. And sometimes it might not be until many, many years later where they might come back to faith. And it's our job to pray and to be diligent and pray without ceasing for our kids and for our grandkids because you never know what God might use to bring them back to faith. It's our job to continue to do that over and over and over again. It doesn't get any more meaningful than this. That a holy God, he entrusts a precious daughter or a son to many of you, or a grandson or a grandchild. And that little child is given to you for that short time of bringing them up. And it goes by in a flash. And we have that responsibility to keep investing in them over and over and over again. Never lose sight of the big picture because sometimes those daily nuisances, they get, they just wear on you. And you do, you feel like you're just being a referee all the time and it's really, really, really hard. Sometimes you go through those teenage years and it is just a struggle. And it feels like that over and over and over again. But never give up. Never give up. And remember the big goal of helping to shape them over the long term to develop children who love the Lord our God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we have to be the very best parental coaches that we can be in that season to cheer them on and to challenge them to be all that God has called them to be. So let's pray. Maybe you know of a situation where there is a teenage or young adult struggle going on with their parents. And it's a really tough time And the parents are worn out, and the kids are too. And maybe that's somebody in your family or your extended family or somebody that you know or a friend. Lord, we just want to lift those relationships up to you today and pray that you would work in them, Lord, as only you can do, that you would bring reconciliation and that you would bring healing where there might be hurt and where there might be struggle and that you would help that communication, Lord, even in the midst of tense times. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us, Lord, one day at a time to continue to invest and to continue to be people who support and who challenge and help us to know the balance of those and help us to do that well. Lord, we need you in our life to be the best parents and grandparents that we can be. And help us, Lord, to pray 
to pray for our kids, to pray for our grandkids, and that they might grow and really develop, Lord, a heart that loves you in the process. Thanks, God. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.